Welcome back to the Hour View Podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Letitia Adams. Join our conversation as she discusses the car accident that left her with a spinal cord injury and how we should live life with no limits. Yeah, so thank you again for your your time and um, you know uh, being willing to do this. And uh, I would like to welcome you, Letitia Adams, to yeah. my podcast. Welcome to the Hour View Podcast. Hello. <laughs> yes, at last we have been uh, going back and forth on social media and sending emails about scheduling a time yes. uh, to make this happen, and we were able to make it happen. So I'm, yes. I'm happy about that. <laughs> So, so yeah. So um, to get the interview started, um, can you tell us who you are? Who is Letitia Adams? My name is Letitia Adams. I am from Chester, Pennsylvania. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, I was married. I'm a, wid- I'm a widow now. He was uh, killed in 95. I'm a mother of four grown daughters. I have seven grandchildren. Um, I am in the I am the ambassador of um, Pennsylvania, um, and I also have a, a t-shirt line called No Limits. It was in July 4th of 2007. My sister, Yvette, um, her husband was killed um, in a motorcycle accident. So as I've said before, I was married also, and my husband was killed in Philadelphia. So I know how she felt as far as losing a spouse. Um, and on his anniversary, this particular day, she wanted to go out. She didn't want to stay in the house and reminisce about the things that make her sad. She wanted to go out to enjoy. So she got tickets for us to go out to a um, party in Philadelphia on the naval base. That's the name, the main part of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and her friend had a party on the naval base. We went there like we normally would. You know, we danced, we drank, we met people and all that. Um, we were supposed to leave out. The boat was supposed to leave out to go on the um, on the Delaware River, but because it was so crowded, we just stayed docked. Um, at the end of the night, we were getting ready to leave, and because it's on the naval base, of course, you're supposed to wear your seatbelts anyway. But on the naval base, they had someone at the at the gate making sure everyone had their seatbelt on. We're driving home. You know, we're talking, having girlfriend talk, talk, saying who, who we gonna call when we get home and how much fun that we had at the party. Um, and this particular incident, um, at this time, I was like a little bit, just a little bit tired, so I wanted to lay my chair back in the in the seat. So the car that she had, it was like an older car that when you open up the door, the seat belt tracks, and when you close it, it it, it goes over you. So I didn't have a lap seatbelt on I had the this crossbone seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. So when I laid back, something just said to sit up. Um and as I sat my seat up, we were like so close to this car and I'm like, sister, get over. So I thought we were in the fast lane to get over in the slow lane. But we were already in the slow lane and we ended up getting on the shoulder. And on the shoulder there was a a parked car in the truck. The truck had broke down and was waiting for a tow truck. So we 
smashed into the truck and the truck hit the car, but we spun out. But luckily, the people that was supposed to be in the truck weren't in the truck, they were in the car. So they didn't really get hurt because the car was total. Um, mm -hmm. And we hit on my side. So I do remember um, us crashing. I do remember that. I do remember me going, uh, like I couldn't breathe. So I was going, uh, and I remember my sister saying, uh, sister, breathe, breathe, it's okay. That's the only thing I remember. I don't remember going to the hospital. I don't remember my children talking to me or anything. All, all I remember is waking up in Jefferson with my hands tied to the bed. And I happened to um, wake up. I think I was asleep for a while. My daughter came in and I heard her saying, nervous, her eyes are opening. So they said I was, in a, uh, I was unconscious for two days. So I didn't know that. So when I finally came to, my daughters and everything was around, I opened my eyes and um, that's when, uh, I didn't know where I was. I told my daughter to untie me. I said, I don't know where I am, just untie me. And they told me that the nurses tied my hands up because I kept pulling the tube out my mouth and out my nose. So that was a precaution uh. for me to keep my hands tied down. Um, but I didn't know I was paralyzed. That's the big part. I didn't know I was paralyzed until maybe four days after, because for the first two, I was unconscious. So I didn't know what was going on. And then they had a meeting with my children, my mom and my sister. Um, and then that's when they told me that I was paralyzed. So right now at this moment, I cannot tell you how I felt, but I do know I was probably devastated to hear that I was going to be paralyzed. Um, I was 37, you know, and I was doing everything on my own. So to hear that I'm going to be paralyzed, it was like a, a shock to me. It was, mm -hmm. it was, it was a shock. Um, so um, I had to deal with that. My injury level is a T12. So for those who do not know what a T12 is, um, if you're a C1 through 5, I believe it is, it's in your neck, your clavicle. Um, if you are a T, your T from your chest to your mid, your mid cavity. So mm -hmm. I'm a T12. The T12 is like near my tailbone. Okay. Um, so I cannot move my legs, but I can move my upper extremities. I can do everything but walk. Okay. Um, so in the first year, you know, I did want to kill myself because it was something that I wasn't used to. Um, and at the time, my children weren't used to it either. So mm -hmm. it was new to all of us. But um, my sister wanted me to move in with her. I was living with my children. But because of the accident, she wanted me to live with her. I did. I figured she would want to help me out and everything like that. She did help me out to some extent. But um, I had to move out of her home because I didn't like the way she was treating me. I don't blame her for the accident because I know for a fact, and I know in my heart of hearts, she didn't do that on purpose because both of our children lost their fathers. So mm -hmm. they could have us. So I know she didn't mean that. I just didn't like the way she was treating me after the accident. Like treating me like uh, she wouldn't help me with my medicine. She wouldn't sit and talk with me. She wouldn't ask me how I was feeling or anything. So I thought that was pretty rude of her not to help me with that. So you know, I talked to my children and um, we ended up getting an apartment down Delaware. So I didn't talk to my daughter, my sister for three years. 
my aunt, which is close to us, she, was, she called me and was like, you and your sister need to talk. And I told her I have nothing to talk to her about because I was still angry on the inside. She was like, you two were so close. There's no need for you to let this break y'all apart. I need for y'all to talk. So I said, well, I don't really want to talk to her, but if she want to talk, I'll talk. Because again, I was so angry. Mm-hmm. We, met, we met at my aunt's house. She was a mediator. Um, my sister was already there when I got there. She asked me to sit down. And of course, I'm being smart. Like, well, I'm already sitting down, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. in the wheelchair. <laughs> so I was just getting smart with every angle I could because I was still angry. And this was our first time actually sitting down talking about it. So... Mm-hmm. My aunt was like, tell her how you feel. So I wanted to go first. So I went first, you know, you see how my head moving. So my head was moving, uh-huh. cussing out. I mean, tell her how she didn't help me with kids, with my, with, with me, my personal hygiene, anything. She didn't help me. And so she was, she was calm and she was like, are you done? I said, yeah, I'm done. What you got to say? <laughs> I was a little sassy. So she was like, I understand how you feel. And I apologize for that. So I apologize because it's my fault that you were in the chair. It's my fault because I was behind the wheel and I was driving. She said, but you don't understand when I look at you, it hurts me because I put you in that position. She said, you don't understand when I'm asleep at night, I still hear your screams from when we was in an accident. Arthur, when she said all that, by the time she was done, I'm crying. Mm-hmm. Now I'm apologizing and I'm apologizing to her because at the time I wasn't worrying about how she felt. I right. wasn't worrying about what she, I was worrying about me, 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 me. I'm in this chair, but I had to remember it was two of us in that car. Right. <clears throat> I had to remember it wasn't just me going through something. My sister went through something also. She may mm-hmm. not have, she may not have been paralyzed, but she has a plate in her arm um, from the accident. She has a scar right here that cut her from the seatbelt. And she also has the, she remembers it. I don't remember the accident, right. but she does. So with me, with me hearing her say that, it made me feel this little. It made me feel like a piece of crap because at the time I wasn't worrying about her. Yeah. I was only worrying about me. So and you both now, had that time, you both had that same you both had different experiences from that one event. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. after she got done talking, man, when I tell you, I'm crying my heart out. So it was at that moment that I had to apologize to her because I know that we both were out drinking. I know that. And if there were four eyes on the road versus just her two, I wouldn't be in this position. If I stayed up with her and and helped her navigate through the traffic and stuff, I wouldn't be in this position. So I had to apologize to her for letting her down because I wasn't there for her when she needed me the most. Hmm. So I didn't understand none of this until after the accident and after I got over my anger and I actually sat down and talked with her. And I told everybody now, even though I wasn't driving, I had to take my part of responsibility of being in this chair because this is my body and I left everything in her hands. So now I told everybody, I don't care if you are driving long distance, if you're in a car for a short distance, if you're in that passenger seat, that's a job. 
is not to be sitting here passing you on your phone, going to sleep, talking and, and, and lunching. That's your job to help navigate that pilot in that car. And my, I, I, I failed her with that. So with that being said, I tell everybody, if you're in that front seat, it's a job. If you do not want that job in that front seat, don't sit in that front seat. Because if something happens, it's on both of y'all. It's on both of y'all. Because you could have been watching out. You could see things that she can't. I could saw things that she didn't see. So had I caught that, and had I been like, we're on the shoulder, get over, I wouldn't be here. But I didn't. And I let her down. So mm -hmm. I thought everybody, if you're in that passenger seat, that's the job. You're the co-pilot. You're there yeah, to that's help. Yeah, that's a very, um, very interesting thing that I never, you know, I never would have thought of it that way until, you know, you, you're saying it now. It, it makes sense that, mm -hmm. you know, that you said, like you said, you would, you would see things that she wouldn't be able to see and, and all mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was deep. It was yeah. Deep. How, um, it's, um, you mentioned you have a few kids and a few grand grandchildren. And, mm -hmm. um, so how, how has that been? How, how has, um, how have your children and your grandchildren, um, you know, adapted, uh, to you mm -hmm. being in a wheelchair and how, how has that been for everybody? Okay. So for the first year, again, as I was saying in the beginning, I wanted to kill myself because I was 37. Um, and I'm like, I'm almost 40. Like, who would think that I would have to be asking my children to put me in a tub, to, to dress me, to do my hair? It was a lot, you know, and I didn't think to do, think that I would have to have my children turn to the mom. I had four moms at the time, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just grateful because I, I really wanted a boy, but I'm so grateful <laughs> that I had my four daughters because if I did have any sons, they wouldn't have been able to help me like my daughters were. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was meant for me to have, I have four daughters. It was meant for me to have them. Um, and in the beginning, like I said, it was hard for everybody. And when I would ask them to help me with things, they would go, or stuff like that. You know, I don't know they didn't mean it, but with me hearing that from somebody that I had to ask for help, it was like, I'm a burden to you now. It's like, I'm getting on your nerves. So at that point, I told my third daughter, was going to the store, I said, I want to kill myself. I said, you better not tell nobody. So she was, She told, she came home to my mom, my sister, she told everybody. She told everybody. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And at that moment, that's when they had to have an, um, what do you call it when everybody gets a- um, Oh, like an intervention? Yes, I had to have an mm -hmm. intervention. And everyone was saying, well, you're being selfish. You know, you're not thinking about the kids and you're not thinking about everybody else that loves you and stuff like that. I understood all that. I said, but y'all don't understand sitting in this position, how it feels, asking people for help. And it's like, oh, here she go again. Or, oh, she's asking for help. Y'all don't know how it feels from my end. Like, I'm getting on y'all nerves, you know, because in the beginning, we're all new to this. And it mm -hmm. made me cry. Like, each time I ask for somebody for something and they give me a little huh or whatever i cry like i'm getting on their nerves but i had to realize i did that too i didn't mean to do it but but before the accident if someone would say well can you do something i'm like Ugh. but i will still do it <laughs> so yeah. now the shoes on the other foot and now i didn't like it i didn't like it at all so it, it taught me to learn how to just have patience more with mm -hmm. people because it taught my children how to have patience with me because i would say if 
I didn't need the help, I wouldn't ask you. Like, I need the help, you know? So it, it got, it had to get, it was a lot to get used to with my children. Mm-hmm. With my grandchildren, they were all born with me in a wheelchair. So the dumb okay. Gigi is cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they never saw Gigi. They call me Gigi. So they never saw Gigi walking, running, or anything. When all of them were born, Gigi was here with open arms in a wheelchair. So to okay. them, it didn't make a difference. To them, it was cool Gigi's in the wheelchair. To them, they like riding Gigi's chair with, I'm on the couch or in my bed. They'll hop in my chair and roll around and all that. Yeah. So it's normal <laughs> to them. They don't see, I think if I were to walk right now, it'd be weird to them. Right. Yeah. Cause it's because all they know. Yes. Yeah. It's all they know. And people, if they see us out in public, cause I drive. So when I drive, mm-hmm. I take one of my grandchildren with me. I have uh, three grandsons and no one, two, three. I have four grandsons and three granddaughters. So when I'm out with either one of them, they all know how to break my wheelchair down. They all know how to help me in the car. They all uh-huh. know how to, because they learn from birth. So uh-huh. this is all they know. So when we're out, it amazes me. People say, oh, that is just so sweet. Or they're just a gentleman. And it's like, yeah, you teach someone they're growing up and they and they, they turn out to be amazing. I don't have to ask them to do anything. They'll mm-hmm. open the door for me as I start the car. They'll look. I love yeah. <laughs> it's so that that's so true from you know like you said it's all they've known as seeing you in your chair yeah um and it's the same thing with me with my niece and nephew too I, I was born with my disability so okay. my time you know so I was um when they were born it's it's all they knew mm-hmm. um you know seeing me with my crutches or in my chair and um you know I have a picture I have to find it now um okay my niece, I have no idea why or how, she, what she wanted to do, but she fell asleep in my chair. Oh, um, <laughs> they're you comfortable. Know, and she had like a blanket over her and everything. And I was oh. just like, like, how are you comfortable in that? First of all, but like, right. <laughs> you know, but it, it was one of those things where like the house was kind of crowded and mm-hmm. you know, my chair was sitting there. So she needed some place to sit. So she sat in my chair mm-hmm. and next thing I know, she bundled up and fell asleep. <laughs> But it's, it's like it's, a second nature to them. It's come second nature. Right. And it's it's really um really funny. There's uh I have a I call him my nephew, it's one of my best friend's kids. Mm-hmm. And um he was maybe I don't think he was two years old yet. And I was at their house one day and he gave me his pacifier. Oh. And um I was sitting at their kitchen table, he gave me his pacifier, like put it in my hand. So I put it on the table and then he holds his hand out like for me to give him something. So I gave it back to him and he shook his head. No, he gave it back. And I'm handing him like his bottle and everything else. He actually wanted one of my crutches. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I said, oh, okay, I get it. You give me something of yours. I give you something of mine. Like, okay. You know, and he was a, he was a baby. So I'm like, okay, he can't really lift it up. So I'm not worried about him. Like, swinging stuff swinging it around and breaking anything Mm -hmm. so I gave it to him we looked into the living room he was using it as a ramp for his trucks oh and he had it leaning he had it leaning like on the couch and he was wheeling his truck up and down my crutch Mm -hmm. and I was just like wow like it's just you know like you said it's it's what they know what they grew up Mm -hmm. with so it's not strange to them it's not scary it's not weird Mm -hmm. um you know so it's really funny um the one thing I, I 
forgot about though is when I do go to my friends' houses with their kids, I usually have my crutches. Mm-hmm. When they see me, when they see me out somewhere, if we meet for lunch or at the mall or something, I usually use my wheelchair. Okay. That, that's <laughs> where the kids get get freaked out. Because <laughs> they're not used to it. They're just like, what happened? Like right. what's going what's on? on yeah, it's like I know who you are, but I don't want to get too close to you. Right. Because um, I'm not sure what's <laughs> happening here. Why you have a right. big chair with wheels on it, never saw it before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's when the conversation really gets interesting because it's I, I noticed it with another friend of mine. Her daughter did exactly that. She had a whole conversation with me, but she was standing maybe 10 feet from me. Okay. And, you know, her mom was like, it's Uncle Arthur. And she said, I know. And she said, okay, why are you standing so far from so, him? Right. And she said, well, she said, I don't know. And she said, well, you can move closer. And she said, no, that's okay, mommy. That's okay. <laughs> so I, I, I had to tell her, you know, I had to tell her mom, I said, you're going to leave her alone. I said, she's mm-hmm. talking to me. I said, I don't know what this is about yet, but we'll figure it out. Right. But then it right. hit me I said, I'm usually at your house with my crutches. I'm usually at your sister or your parents' house with my crutches. She's never seen this chair before. She doesn't know what the hell is going on. (laughs) I said, she doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And and her mom looked at me and she goes, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I said, Mm -hmm. I didn't either. But I said, I realized that when I got closer to her, she backed up. Right. I said, so I stopped, I stopped moving forward. And I was like, okay, like she's, she's afraid of the chair. She doesn't understand it. Right. And I said, right. okay, to a, a four or five-year-old, yes, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, cause mm-hmm. it's like, I've, I, I know who you are, but I've never seen you. Uh, I never seen you in this situation before. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it's, what it's about. <laughs> so it, it's really, um, it's, it's really great that, you know, um, that children can have the experience of being around people with disabilities. And, um, you know, so when they go to school and they see friends or, or mm-hmm. uh, they make new friends or they see people in the neighborhood or somebody at the store, mm-hmm. you know, they're more likely, um, you know, not to stare. They're, they're likely to ask if they need help because like you said, your grandkids are used to helping you. Yes. Um, you know, so that's, I think that's great that, um, you know, that people allow the children in their lives to, um, you know, to be around them and to help them out and, you know, explain things to them because that's how kids learn. And that's how we, I think that's how we break down a lot of stereotypes about people with disabilities and, um, you know, help change that, that conversation about people with disabilities. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your grandkids probably, you know, tell their friends, oh, my grandma's in a chair, but she drives, you know. (laughs) It's funny because children, if they never saw it, if they never saw no one in the wheelchair, it's very fascinating to them. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow, it's cool. And, you know, so it was, it was an experience. It was, it was sweet. It was sweet <laughs> to know that, you know, my children do, my grandchildren do talk about me in school and to, it makes me proud, you know, it makes right. me proud. but some people are embarrassed about people in wheelchair, depending on the situation, but some it's like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. Yeah. And that's, that's really great. Like you said, that they talk about you and, and people know, you know, their friends know who you are and all of that. So that's really, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. they know. That's... And their friends call me Gigi. I'm Gigi to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yes. so great. That's yeah, so Gigi great. To everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my, um, in one of my early episodes, I um, interviewed one of my friends who she's an English teacher and she had her students uh, or she had me write a story Mm-hmm. about um about my day 
and I talked about, you know, putting my braces on. I talked about my car because it has hand controls and I talked mm-hmm. about, you know, my wheelchair and putting that together at the store and, and how I have to, you know, reach for things from my wheelchair and all of that. <clears throat> and then um, she had me come into her class maybe a couple weeks later and I started telling like a similar story, not, not the same exact one that I wrote, but mm-hmm. um, some stuff about my day. And you saw the kids like talking to each other, like, I think that's the guy that we read about. I think that's, <laughs> like, I, this has to be like, this has to be the guy we read about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like in every class that I was in, one of the students raised their hand. They said, did you write a story that we read a couple of weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I did. And they were like, I knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> That goes to show they were listening. Yeah, yeah. And it really, it, you know, they pay attention to to things. And it's really, uh, you know, but it's really great that, that we can have these conversations and uh, share these experiences with kids. Because as I said, it, it helps change the tone of conversation with kids. And, and hopefully it, um, you know, helps cut down on some of the bullying and, and things yes. that, uh, that take place toward people who have disabilities. And um uh, you know, raises uh, some kids that will, you know, uh, be able to stand up for people who have disabilities and say like, hey, you know, your grandkids might say, hey, my Gigi has, you know, a wheelchair. Like, don't, you know, don't make fun of that kid over mm-hmm. there. It's not, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, uh, yeah, so that that's really great. Um, and I, I wanted to make sure that I uh, asked about that because I, I thought that's, uh, you know, I thought it would be a, a good, important part of, of the conversation to, um, yeah. you know, just encourage people to, you know, again, I, I always say to talk to people who are different than you, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a disability or not, or, you know, somebody a different um, race or gender than you, or, or, you know, just to talk to people who are different. And that really, yeah. um, you know, that really can help make a big, big difference. Uh, yeah, it really can. Mm-hmm. It'll stop the ignorance. Yes. Yeah. So um, we are recording this on Zoom and I can see you and you're wearing your Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania Ambassador sash, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so can you, um, can you please explain to us what that um, ambassador program is all about and how you uh, became a part of it and, and what it actually means? <laughs> yes, I would love to. So, because I don't know it word for word, I would like to read what it is so I can have a better understanding. Yes. So, um, the ambassador program, they believe that every woman who competes has a strong and powerful message that still needs to be heard. So, um, they created the ambassador program. Um, A former Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania title holder from 2010, Christian Rebstock, she started the program. So each te- each contest each contestant, we will receive a sash and we will go out and advocate and promote what our platform is. Um, so once a year, everyone gets a chance to win the title holder. That's the the sash and the crown. Um, that's okay. once a year. But prior to that, um, they're giving um, women that's in wheelchairs an opportunity to have the confidence of having a sash and going out and talking about their advocacy, their platform. My advocacy is about um, disabled, I mean, domestic violence in the disabled community. That's my platform for um, the organization. Now, how I I got into the organization, it was a former Miss 2018 um, 
Barb Zablotny, she wrote me in my inbox and asked me um, if I was interested in becoming a wheelchair um, ambassador. But at the time, I didn't know what that was. I never even heard of Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania Ambassador Program. But she sent me some links and some pictures, and she told me to read about it and if I was interested to let her know. Once I read about it and saw, you know, what it it all entailed in it, I was honored to be a part of that because prior to me becoming an ambassador for um, Pennsylvania, I didn't have any friends or anybody in wheelchairs. This is the first time I'm in an organization where we're all the same. Wow. So... It, it's, it's quite an honor. And each female that's in there, we all have our own different platforms. So it's like we're, we're sisters at this moment. So, and I want everyone to know that um, the Miss Wilshire Ambassador Program is not a pageant. Um, it's more so an opportunity for the females to speak about what they uh, feel strongly about, what they want to advocate about. So that's our way to have a platform to get it out there to the, to the people. That's great. That is so, so, so great. And um, as you, as you said, like, this is your first time of, you know, having some people who are just like you, you know, wheelchair users uh, as, you know, friends, and you can really, um, you know, you all can really relate and uh, relate to each other on a different level. And then, you know, you all have your individual platforms of what you, um, you know, are raising awareness and advocating for, which is um, so important. And and your uh, specific platform of domestic violence and disabilities, I think that is, um, you know, definitely a a topic that needs to be discussed and uh, awareness needs to be raised about that, Um, you know, for sure, because, you know, it is, it's something that, that happens within the disabled community and it, it really needs to uh, to be addressed. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are, uh, you know, taking that on as your platform. And that's really, mm-hmm. uh, really great. So you'll you'll be doing this for the next year? Yes, I'll be um, being an ambassador for the next year. And then in 2021, um, that's when I'll try to, well, I'm sorry, that's when I'll be going for the title holder. Um, that's for okay. the crown and the sash. Okay, great. So for this whole year, I have a whole year to advocate, to try to do change, to try to um, go out and talk with different um, uh, safe houses or different um, hotlines to see if they have things for disabled women. So say if, okay, so I was a uh, survivor myself of domestic violence. That's why I want to do the platform. Mm-hmm. So say if I were to go to one of the um, the houses or went somewhere for help, would they have things that can accommodate me in a wheelchair at your facility? Right. So I want to go out and see if they have that and also to on the hotline to see if, you know, are you asking if someone is disabled so that you can take a better route to help them? Because some women in wheelchairs may feel as though um, they don't have the equipment or the means to help them, not only with their situation in domestic violence, but also with the situation in their wheelchair. Right. So, so that's two things that we got to deal with at one time. So I needed to know that everything that's out there for us can help facilitate us as far as women in wheelchairs that's going through domestic violence. You know, it is very important that um, the domestic violence 
uh, within a disabled community is talked about and discussed because there is that extra level of, you know, security, security and, and are you going to, you know, will the wheelchair be able to get through the door of the safe house? Like, you know, it's just really, um, you know, things that wheelchair users have to think about that, you know, these places may not think about. Because you hear about domestic violence with the elderly in the nursing homes. You hear about domestic violence with the able body, but you barely hear about disabled body, this, um, this domestic violence in the disabled community. Mm -hmm. You may see flyers or something about people that's older in uh, nursing homes. You may even see flyers about able body, but you don't see flyers or handouts about domestic violence in, adult, in the disability community. Right. So that's what I'm trying to push to. We need to get our stuff on the forefront as well. Yeah, I think that's really such a great thing. Um, you know, sad thing that we have to discuss it, but it's definitely um, it's definitely necessary to discuss because it happens. Um, yes. And it, it's, uh, you know, it, it does it. That, you know, having a disability, being a wheelchair user, it, it adds that extra piece of, you know, of, you know, worry, like, will I be able to get out of this relationship and be in a safe place right. that, uh, that can meet all of my needs. And, you know, right. if I'm somebody, you know, if I'm somebody who, you know, who is paralyzed and needs help with getting dressed and bathing and, and things like that, are, are there people there that so will be able to do that? Help. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, definitely something that, um, that needs to be addressed for sure. And um, you just gave me a, another um, topic for one of my podcast episodes. So thank you. Mm -hmm. I, need to, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to, we need to talk about that because that's, yeah. um, you know, through the podcast, I want to be able to address things that people don't, you know, people wouldn't think, think about, about that. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, you, you see things, you see commercials, um, you see flyers, you see all kinds of information about, um, you know, people without disabilities being involved in uh, domestic violence relationships and places for them to call and, and mm -hmm. um, but you never see, you never see uh, people with disabilities portrayed in the commercials for those, uh, you know, for those hotlines and things like that. So right. I think that's, um, you know, really key and an important piece that needs to be uh, addressed for sure. So uh, I, I found you um, online. I became aware of you through your um, No Limits uh, t-shirts online. Yes. I was, yes. So um, I really, uh, you know, I was, I was searching things on uh, Instagram and I came across uh, your shirts. And um, one of the things I want to do through this podcast is specifically highlight the stories of people of color who have disabilities. Mm -hmm. because we are um, very underrepresented in a lot of areas in the world and also uh, within the disability community we don't uh, you know I, I don't often see people who look like you and me uh, mm -hmm. you know telling their stories and and out and uh, you know we're, we're out there but we don't get the the same platforms um, right. available to us as others do um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I want to use this uh, podcast to share your stories, uh, stories of people who have uh, disabilities, people of color, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, to help uh, promote your, you know, your, your brand and, and the things that you are doing and just to, 
again, help change that tone of conversation to show that people with disabilities are out here doing things and yes. living life and just um, making changes and, and being, uh, being productive and uh, mm -hmm. to break down those, break down those negative uh, stereotypes of uh, what people have of those who have disabilities. So can you um, explain where, um, what the No Limit brand is, where it came from and, and all of that and how you, uh, how you started it? Yes, so with us being on quarantine, <laughs> um, <laughs> it gave me a chance to um, think of something that I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. my daughter, one of my daughters has a photography. She does photography, she has her own business. Um, my other daughter has um, her own clothing line. She has a boutique. So I said, well, I'm gonna take this time to use this quarantine to make something grow. So I was just sitting around and I was like, you know what? Um, we don't, we shouldn't have limits to what we can do. You know, not at all. And I was like, okay, no limits. Okay, we have no limits to what we can do. So I got the word, no limits, but now it's like, how do I use the font? How do I play with it? So I saw a lady, so I used the, the lady figure as an as a O, limit. Mm -hmm. And then the guys have the, the guys have the regular emblem. It's not a lady, but it's a regular emblem. So okay. this for the females and this is the male. Okay, great. Yeah. So it's the yes. you utilize the, the wheelchair symbol yes. uh, for the so that's o. my O. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. So, and for us, even though we're in wheelchairs or wherever this, oh, and I have another shirt. Oh, okay. Able, even though yeah. we're disabled, we're still able to do that's right. everything that we have to do. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they're my two shirts. So I figure, you know, with, with no limits, there is no limits to um, making yourself happy. There's, you have no limits to yourself to be whatever it is that you want to be. There's no limits to yourself. You're your only limit. So there's yeah. no limits to that. So that's where the No Limit brand came from. And I talk to everybody, you are your worst enemy. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Just put mm -hmm. the work in. That's all it is, work and time. And that's the thing, the work part, putting the work in. And that, that goes for everybody mm -hmm. with... <laughs> You know, yes. it is. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of uh, determination, and um, you know, you you can't be discouraged easily. Um, you know, because you, you get a lot of no's and you get turned down a lot uh, for a lot of things, and you just have to uh, keep persevering and push through all of it. Literally, like you know, being yes. wheelchair users, we gotta push, yes. gotta push yes. through some things, and um, you know, it, it's just. Uh, putting in the work, I think is really, uh, you know, very big, very big piece of, um, you know, making things happen and, and just being uh, determined to keep pushing through and keep, keep right. doing, uh, you know, doing what you doing what you do until you reach your goal and, and achieve your, uh, you know, achieve that goal that you're, that you're striving for. I think that's really important to, to remember that, you know, you have no limits, uh, uh, the only limits you have are the ones you put on yourself a lot of times and you have That's to, um, you know, you got to just push through it and, and keep, 
keep on going. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. That is yeah. it. There's yeah. more to it than life than just that cherry, but get out and, and live life. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, um, I'm enjoying our conversation uh, a whole lot. I really, uh, really appreciate this. Um, so for, um, well, not my last question, um, my next to last question. So how, um, if people would like to purchase your t-shirts or follow you on social media, how can they uh, find you on Instagram? Or if you have a website or anything like that, can you please let us okay. know? I don't have a website as of now. I'm working on that. But they can find me on Facebook at Parabliss Adams. Um, they can find me on Instagram, No Limits 2020. Um, if you inbox me on either one, I'll, I'll normally get back to you within a few hours. Um, if you purchase a shirt, once you cash at me, you send me your address and the merchandise will go out the next day to you. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, that's great. So I'll, I'll make sure that, uh, you know, when I post this, I'll, I'll put your, you know, information in the uh, description boxes and everything like that. So, yes. but um, so my, my last question that I'd like to end all of my episodes with um, asking my guests, um, what do you want the world to know about people who live with disabilities? Mm. <laughs> well, for one, I would like the world to know that, you know, we're all still human. Um, you know, we may not be able to do the things that we used to do or be able to do the things that you do, but we're still human. Like, don't treat us like we're children or babies or that we can't do anything for ourselves. We have people in, with disabilities as, in, as actors, they're in um, Congress, you know, they're, they're doing they're living everyday life, so don't don't put us down because we have a disability. We're just as equal as you are. That's so true, and thank you so much. That was, um, I, I think that is, I, I always like to ask that question just because, um, again, people have certain stereotypes of, of those who have disabilities. They hear certain things or they were brought up to believe certain things about those who have disabilities. And um, when it comes down to it, it's just, you know, we, we may not be able to do all the things that people without disabilities can do, or, you know, some things we can do, we just have to do them differently, or they take us more time to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that was the one thing that my dad always uh, told me, you know, again, it goes back to what you were saying about putting the work in. You know, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you want to achieve something, you have to go for it. You, you have to work at it. Um, but everybody has to work at it. You just might have to work at it a little bit harder. A little bit harder. <laughs> That's it. You know, it might take you a little longer to get to do things, but you can still do it. Um, you know, again, I, I mentioned before in previous episodes, like I swim, I drive a car, uh, you know, Everything I travel. <laughs> yeah, I travel. Yeah, I travel by myself. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just... Um, you know, I, I love roller coasters and just, you know, I love all of the things that everybody else loves. It's just, right. I have to go at it a little bit differently little bit or a little bit slower. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. It's half yeah. the patience. That's all. Half right. the patience. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really, um, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a different way we have to do things. But as you said, don't, um, you know, don't make us babies or, or anything like that. 
I really, I truly appreciate this time and, um, you know, it's been fun and getting to know you. And uh, thank you. again, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, speak with me and I will um, definitely be in touch for sure. But thank you so much. I appreciate much. you reaching out to me, Arthur. I so appreciate this. Yes. And I appreciate you as well. And, you know, best of luck to you with your, um, with your t-shirts and everything and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Our View podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. New episodes will be released on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. Do you want to help change the tone of conversation among your family and friends? Head over to our website for some Our View merchandise. Our website is www.our-view.com forward slash merchandise. I thank you for listening. Have a great day and take care.